Welcome to Artistic Beginnings. I'm Mitch. And I'm Melody. We're siblings who grew up working in the entertainment industry and were deeply impacted by the arts. I'm a professional actor, singer, and dancer working in Los Angeles and New York, still pursuing an artistic career. I, on the other hand, am no longer pursuing that career. I went on to become a researcher, though I'm still involved in the creative industry. Artistic Beginnings is all about the winding artistic paths that creatives follow in their lives. We share these inspirational stories with you so that you can learn and grow as a creative. So let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. It's How been a was minute. Your March? Yay! Uh, yeah, we are back after our, our break in March. Yeah, I hope everybody's March was great. Ours was good. Knock, knock, Melody. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, who's there? <laughs> Banana. <laughs> no. Banana. No. Knock, knock. <laughs> Banana. Banana. Knock, knock. Who's there? Orange. Orange who? Banana you. Oh, no. <laughs> Banana you happy I didn't say orange. Say orange. Oh, my God. Uh, so that's an inside joke that only we will get. <laughs> but made us laugh. Um, we won't reveal what that means, but we can use that in our social media marketing melody. It's going to be great. Perfect. People Can't are wait. totally going to love it. Oh We're just going to, let's just post a bunch of oranges and bananas. <laughs> um, people will really get it. Cool. So, so that was my worst joke I've ever told. And uh, I'm, I'm practicing uh, all of my dad jokes. And as, as part of that, <laughs> this is a really good segue. <laughs> this bitch. is the best segue I've ever done. Um, if you haven't noticed and you didn't read the description, we have our dad here today. Yeah, our dad, Stephen Hollis, is the is our our first guest back. Dad Hollis. Dad Hollis. You want to wave to the audience? <laughs> they won't see you. <laughs> he waves. <Hello>. waving. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. I think this is also a special milestone. I think this is the 50th episode. That's oh, very really? exciting. Yep. Yay. Yep. Kept it in the family. Yep. Ooh, we we need to get sound Those effects. Those makers. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there you go, Dad. I'll just make them. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just have Dad be on the show every week, and he just has just to plays. play the entire time, and Perfect. he does little uh, little riffs for all of our our, our guests. Perfect. I love that. Is that my intro? <laughs> <laughs> yes, every week. Um, oh, great. You've evil witch of the west um yeah but our dad is here and uh we're super excited yeah do you want to for those of you that don't know our dad is musical that's all i've wow. got <laughs> no uh you want to do a, a brief hello and a little a little intro and then we'll do a, a story time okay well i'm first and foremost a uh, professional pianist and music educator and I've done everything from classroom uh, in public schools, which I'm doing currently now, all the way through uh, voice and piano. Also several different other instruments, but I've kind of trimmed that down to just piano and voice because it was just too much to keep track of all that. 
I do a lot of recording for some of my students for uh, taped auditions and whatnot. So kind of have my hands on a lot of different pieces of education. And I'm constantly learning new things because I find that extremely interesting. So that's kind of what I'm doing. And I play almost every day. So, Yeah, if you live with my dad, which would only be the people that are on this podcast and, and my mom, you would know that, uh, and our mom, <laughs> I'm not, uh, <laughs> yep. What? Um, you, you would know that uh, dad plays nonstop, practices incessantly, has shared that uh, great skill with the rest of us. And he also ha always has a book ready and available for learning, many of which are about music and what we're going to be talking about today, but super cool. And we we will get into the whole history of my dad because he's had a very colorful past and and same with my mom. So we'll have them on the show again in the, the future. I keep on saying my mom. She's not yours, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, no, Damn. but um, we'll have them on to, to share their, their amazing history. But to give mm -hmm. you a little glimpse into that, we we're thinking, and one of the stories I haven't heard is actually about my dad's first gig. I never actually, I, I, I realized that like when we were talking about it before, like I don't actually know that story. What, so what, what's your origin story, dad? What's the, what's the, uh, the first gig you've ever done? Well, um, the first paid gig. First paid gig. <laughs> okay. that, fair. The, That's fair. The true That's a artists. good distinction. Good yeah, distinction. I was, I, good yeah. distinction. When I first started playing, I was able to play for a lot of things in church and uh, school. But when I was 14, I had a relative ask me if I would play a wedding, which I'd never done, and to do it on a church organ, which I've never played. <laughs> nice. So this was a double whammy. <laughs> nice. And it was uh, quite interesting because they, they were a little different in, in their choice of music. So I had to learn the music for their uh, wedding and also play it on a church organ, which I'd never played on before. So mm -hmm. with the double manuals, it, it has a different feel, but... Uh, you know, I was naive then, so it did, you know, I said, sure, I can yeah, do that. So I, I played it. The, the most, I guess the most interesting part of it is that the, the bridal march, they wanted, I'll never promise you a rose garden, which was a big hit at that time. <laughs> For some reason, that was a top 40 hit. I forgot who sang it, but um, I thought that was a little unusual. But, you know, at 14 years old, anything works. Right. And oh, gosh, uh, you were 14? Yeah. And I got 10 bucks, which was nice. big money, you know. Right, right up there with cutting lawn. That's <laughs> pretty good. Paid. Yeah. So I took that money and I went and bought more music books with it. That's what I did with all my money when I was uh, making my. That's why I have such a collection of uh, yeah. books and whatnot. That's awesome. I didn't know that you started with a wedding. That's so cool. Yeah, and and then then that started the church services and mm -hmm. Christmas. So any holidays, I ended up. They would ask me to come and do that, and um, then I ended up playing at school that same. The following year, though, that same year, the, that summer, they asked me to do the high school musical, which I wasn't even in high school yet. And that's when I decided I wanted to really do performing in that. I did uh, Guys and Dolls for the uh, high school. I love that Guys and Dolls is like a running theme in our family. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, here I was, a 14-year-old, getting right. ready to go to high school. And I went to the first rehearsal, and I'm sitting in the pit. And they started with the Hotbox Girls. And 30 high school girls came out onto the stage. And I looked up. And I thought, I found what I want to do. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're here to talk about kind of the foundations of the skills that are, are useful for the performing arts. And one of the key things that I remember learning, because 
also, I, I guess we didn't mention this also, but like Melody and I both had the privilege of being students of dad, not mm -hmm. like not only just as his children, but as like actually in school. So yeah. we got to experience firsthand what it's like to to have an awesome teacher. It's it may seem biased, but it's really not. Dad is a great teacher. Uh and he's very true. It, I mean he's got awards. I mean you can't he does. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't, you can't argue with awards. <laughs> yeah. Um was that Richard Sherman that you shared that day with? Yeah, Richard Sherman for mm -hmm. uh, ETMLA Los Angeles County uh, Music shining, Teacher of the Year. Shining uh, Star? Yeah, Shining Star Award. Yeah. Nice. That was very cool, especially the, to get it at the same time that Richard Sherman. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. It was a big event. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's another little tidbit of history that, that we're dropping in here. But as a part of that, one of the, the things I remember most from like both of us are singers. Like we we have that as uh, we learned a lot from you and mom. On that but one of the things that was foundational there was breathing and um i think also another one that's just very like present in my mind always is posture but they kind of go hand in hand in my mind we can get into that later but to kind of start off and we're, we're just going to talk about breathing today a lot one thing that i was thinking about was kind of the taking it from a different angle and one of the questions i had prepared is for dad and and dad go ahead and answer it uh is uh is breathing hard <laughs> Well, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. if it was really hard, yeah, we would all be dead right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's true. It's uh, fortunately breathing is uh, subconscious at this point. You you can start thinking about it, and then it becomes hard to breathe sometimes because then you start thinking about all these. If you look at all you know all the mechanisms, everything that needs to work, then it becomes uh, rather complicated. But it's something that we do without even thinking. And how we breathe is really has a lot to do with just how good a life we have, how we perform. Even as a pianist, breathing is important mm -hmm. for music. Uh, as any kind of instrumentalist, it's because phrasing and, and speaking all is based on when we need to take a breath. Punctuation is when we take a breath, period, comma, semicolon, whatever. Yeah. Or, or with melody, you know, you just never stop talking. So there's no breathing. <laughs> Just shit on Melody Day, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, she does. She knows how to do circular breathing, so she can talk and stuff. I can talk and breathe at the same time. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do not have that skill. I tried no. doing that for trumpet, and I never, never learned how to do. Yeah, that you can properly. do it with uh, where. Well, that we can get into that, but the uh, mechanism allows you to do that. That makes the sound. Hmm. Not when you're talking, though. No, mm -hmm. no, not quite the it's same. Like whistling in and out. It, it's it's funny, yeah. When you were talking about it, I was I was becoming very aware of my breathing and like was having one of those moments of like, oh god, I'm doing it, and <laughs> and then like I like you start trying too hard and then like the air anxious. doesn't come yeah. through right. Yeah, I, you get anxious. Like it brings to mind that there's a lot of like emotional connection between what's going on and like to make you work on that. And then like how much your emotion affects your breathing and how that will affect you biologically. Well, absolutely. And I think what you good point right there is that we hear this all the time and I'm guilty of doing it. Well, just relax. It'll be fine. Now, now sing, just relax or just do your speech, just relax. And that word relax needs a whole lot of preparation, which is what I try to teach my students so that when I use that word, it's not just Oh, I just relax. I'm going to get floppy or whatever. There's a whole series of things that you can think about or not think about in a state so that you can sing or talk or speak or whatever you're doing to communicate. What What are some of those things that you can do? Like, what are those steps? Well, there, there's 
you need to understand the mechanism uh, of just speaking. You know, that there's the first thing you need to understand is for living, we have three steps that are important in breathing. We have inhalation, which is breathing in, exhalation, which is going out, and then you have a recovery period, which we don't talk about enough. And, and it, even in sports and all that, sometimes we work, 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 and we don't allow our body to restore itself even if it's a short amount of time. So when you breathe in, usually it's a, a slow, you breathe in slowly and then exhales much quicker. And then there's a recovery period. We don't immediately breathe in again. And if you subconsciously start listening for that, you're going to start messing with it. You know, you'll, but if you just can just relax with it and, um, you know, there I used the word again, yeah. <laughs> just stop, stop thinking about it, which is the, the key to so many things. It's like driving a sports car or golfing. You can't, if you think about it, the swing too hard, you're not going to do it. It has to be one fluid motion, which is yeah. breathing. And then the next step is to understand that singing has four steps in it. You have inhalation, suspension, and then you have exhalation, which is your phonation, which would be your voice singing. And and then you have recovery period, which tends to be very short in singing. And there's ways to correct that or not correct it, but to force you to do that in, you know, longer times that you have time to breathe. Short ones, you can take quick, what they call catch breaths, which we can talk about. But so if you understand that there's your breathing is different than when you do just talking. Hmm. So, so what's that? What's that second step then? It's the like kind of okay. the pause. Yeah, well, what happens is you breathe in, but you inhale the air, and then you have the suspension, which is you don't close any of the muscles to hold that. You just expand, and there's a whole set of issues on how you get air in, which we could go into too, but then we'd have a three-hour session here. But <laughs> Right. But suffice it to say, I call it the onset. It's that time just before you are going to sing what you're going to sing, whether it's a law or whatever word or whatever. And it's kind of like where everything comes together. You hear it, you sing it. You know, you think, you hear it, and you sing. And it, and it goes very quickly, mind you. But there is that suspension. And and best way to do it is it, it kind of experience it is to, is to breathe in. And you just let the air hang in your throat without closing your mouth or anything. Don't move. And then exhale it out. And then you can kind of get that. But there's a whole bunch of steps on how you get the air in properly and out. And that's where the number one problem comes in. Yeah, it's it's the for breathing. Uh, I, it, that's something that I had a lot of problem with starting out. And I think it's one of, one of the tips or tricks is like starting with a ha instead of an ah, because it, it's a glottal attack, right? And when you breathe in, you like hold it. And instead of like suspending, like you're saying, yeah, I would close up my throat. Yeah, it's almost like it, coughing. Yeah. And then to activate it rather than having it suspended, like I, I really like that word. It, it just kind of hangs out there and then you just kind of let it flow naturally. I like the idea of like kind of that it's not necessarily circular, but the process is very fluid. The, the glottal attack, which we should probably define what that is for listeners that don't know. Well, well, the, yeah, then we need to get into the mechanisms here. We kind of, we stepped oh, over skipping. a whole lot, I'm yeah, which is lot. fine, but we can work backwards from here. Your larynx, which if you put your fingers on that Adam's apple, that uh, males can feel that really well, but females, it's not as large. But that's what vibrates when you sing because your vocal folds are in there. And when they're closed, holding the air in, when they let go, they actually slam apart and then slam together again. Mm -hmm. And you get that. Uh, uh. And what you're talking about, the H sound, that it's an aspiration is what you call that. The, mm. And uh, that's a great way to learn how to get a fluid onset is to put an H before your vowels when you do that. When you have a consonant to start with, it's easy because you're going to say your T, your P, your R, your S, and that'll set the, the motion 
of the air. But there's a whole lot of steps before that. And that's what I find a lot of students. Students will know that part, but they don't know everything behind it. And then they, they don't have the breath control. And there's a difference between breath control and breath support and how that comes in. We throw these words around a lot, but there's a difference. Amazing. So then jumping back to where we were with like the, the different steps with singing, which included that suspension step in there, what, what comes after that? What's the piece that connects the dots where we were just coming from? Oh, before or after? You know, actually, I could probably just put it in a little nutshell here real quickly. Mm -hmm. so that you get an idea of what we're doing and why. First of all, the human voice is just like any other instrument, our body. Take a guitar. You're going to have an energizer or actuator. You're going to have a vibrator and a resonator. And our body has all three of those. The easiest way to uh, describe is a guitar. When you, your motion of your hand hitting the strings is our energizer. Your strings are the vibrator and your the body of the guitar is the resonator. So if we relate it to our body, the energizer is our breath which comes from our breath support from our lungs. The larynx is our vibrator, the vocal folds. And then our mouth, upper larynx, lower larynx, even your nasal passage, some of those are considered resonators, your mouth being the, the most important. And then, you know, you can add articulators in there, which would be how you pluck a guitar with your fingers. And our it's our tongue, teeth, and lips. But the, the three main ones are your energizer, vibrator, resonator. And to make all those work properly, you have to have good breath. It's just like if you try to strum a guitar with a limp hand and you don't have any technique, it's not going to sound as good. And on a trumpet, it's your lips are the vibrator, your breath is the energizer, and the trumpet itself is the resonator. So you can go through any instrument and you find they have to have those three things, or you don't have sound, or at least control of sound. And it all starts with the breath. The breath. And if you don't have a sense of uneven how, how to get that support proper, then that's where all the vocal problems come in. That's why teachers, when they start the year, a lot of them lose their voice because they're not supporting with good breath. Mm. People that give a lot of speeches have vocal problems. Even some performers that'll do rehearsals and that, they're fine. And then they start doing their eight show week and they start losing their voice because they're on stage and they're not thinking support or they haven't internalized it. And that's why it's so important that that becomes the subconscious part of your singing. When you start thinking about the singing, the breathing, there's all those. It's like the golf swing. It needs to be second nature. And to do that, you have to understand how the air goes in, how you support it, and how it goes out. Is it hard getting the hang of that and getting it to the point of getting to that natural state? Um, the, yes. The, the, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the challenge is on a guitar or a piano, I can point to your fingers, I can show you. The voice, you can't see. And it has to be done a lot of times with imagery and a mm -hmm. thought process that you have to go through. Now, you can feel certain things. You know, you can put your fingers on your throat and feel things, but or look in a mirror. A lot of times the mirror is your best buddy. It's just look, if it looks weird, it's wrong. <laughs> and, and But ultimately, our population breathes incorrectly as a population. Humans, they're what you call chest breathers. And, I, and I'll give you a little story here. If you start with babies, preschool kids, before school age, like first grade, second grade, uh, maybe even kindergarten, you could say this happens. But before then, they breathe naturally in the way you should, which is breathing through the stomach all the way down. What happens is we become chest breathers because we get into school and we lean over a desk and we write and we read leaning over and sitting. And then we 
we don't breathe down as far as we should. And sedentary people have a big problem with this if they're not. And aerob that's why aerobics are so important for exercise. Because if you look at the lungs themselves, which are where the air comes from, you fill it up. I like to think of it as just like, you know, kind of hanging bags or like balloons that you fill up inside. The largest and greatest amount of capillaries, which convert oxygen and CO2 in and out of your body are in the lower half of your lungs. And if you're a chest breather, you're only filling up the top half. And that's why you get tired and, and you need to get up and walk around, move around. And if you're breathing from your chest, you're not allowing all the air to get down to the most important capillaries that are in your lungs. And that that's the posture thing you talked about is just sitting up straight a lot of times. That's why... Yeah sitting on those bouncy balls that are sitting on the floor. You, ha you can't sit there slouchy because you'll fall over. You have to keep a straight back. That's Or, or sitting on the edge of your chair mm -hmm. instead of leaning back into it and just getting flopped over. I love that because it's also, it's not even just the, the performing arts. It, like this has application for literally everybody. It's just so oh. foundational for, for the arts. Yeah. I had a student that was a, um, that rode horses and did the shows where they did exercises with the horses going certain ways. And one person has to be, I, don't, I forgot what they were called, but this particular student, she was in high school and she was like the captain for lack of, because mm -hmm. I don't know the term. That's one thing yeah. I don't know anything about. <laughs> horses. But <Good. laughs> she was, she was, she was very knowledgeable, knew how to, the whole thing worked, but she didn't have a powerful enough voice. And she was taking piano from me at the time. And her mother goes, can you help her? So I thought, sure. So I basically ran her through all the experience that I've had with breathing. And I got her to the point where they were like totally amazed after about a month. She was like running everything. Everybody could hear it because before they couldn't hear her, she would get hoarse. She would lose her voice. She didn't have the end. All it came down was posture and learning how to breathe fully so that you're, you're you don't want to call it a tummy breathe either, but where you, it's like yoga or Pilates where they want you that deep breath that you feel all the way down to your toes. And there's a, an easy process we can go through that I can I'll explain that but she was able to get that sitting up tall in her on the horse and all that and and now she that's what she does all the time now but they were actually going to ask her to stop doing it because they couldn't hear the commands and that's so important in competitions and it, you know it was just for me teaching her how to breathe properly it's and, important to know how to breathe I mean especially like teachers anyone who deals with loud children too is you know well there's vocal coaches that specifically work with speech givers yeah. people that do presentations and on how and even the range of your voice to sing yeah. uh to lower it or to high it some some of us speak in, in a testatura which is the range that's too high or too low and that can hurt your voice and really bad when you're singing oh. outside of your voice range so, so it's important to make sure that you, like, I guess breathing is tied into also all of the other, like, technical choices that you have for the pitch of, of your natural voice. It's like, I, I think where I'm, uh, a gap in my knowledge here is, are people choosing to be in a higher or lower tone or, like, pitch? Mm -hmm. Well, for example, right now I have one example for the girls that I have that are coming in, the boys, and, and they're, I'm saying boys and girls instead of men and women, because most of them are, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, mm -hmm. 14. Some of them are 17, which would be more adult. But what, what I find, especially with younger singers that are 10, 11, especially with the girls, they tend to like to sing low because it's easy and it's very angsty, which is a lot of the music right now. And they don't realize they have that high voice. It also takes a lot more energy. You know, I talk, I call, 
it adds, but it's energy, depth, and space in your singing that you need to go to the higher pitches. And once they discover that, it's like, wow, it's like a light bulb goes off. With the boys right now, especially with theater, is almost all the good roles in that are all, not just tenor roles, but high tenor roles, which yeah. a tenor is the high uh, male voice. And they're singing well out of the range and they're singing in falsetto a lot of times, or they're trying to sing with a full, I don't like to use belt voice, but a, a very full thick sound at a high pitch and they're damaging their vocal cords. I just had this happen two weeks ago. I had a student that somebody at their school had given him a duet and he's a bass baritone and it's all high tenor. And it just, I told him, I said, you shouldn't even be singing this, let alone working on this with somebody else to yeah. perform it. It's so frustrating. Sounds like show choir. Um. <laughs> that will, well, don't get me started. Yeah, we won't even get you started. I'm sorry I said it. No. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a separate yeah. topic on that, maybe, uh, if, if we're feeling really angsty. If we're feeling really yeah. spicy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, That'll spicy. be the mom and dad episode. Well, Show choir. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it has its thing, but there, there's there been some uh, lot of students that they've maybe not permanently damaged their voice, but they certainly didn't help it at all. Yep. Yeah. And it's a, it, you can seriously damage your voice very easily in, in some situations because yeah. it's the uh, vocal folds, which mm -hmm. in males, you can cover it with a nickel. That's how big they are. And if you're a female, you can cover them with a, a dime. It's how small. So that's Crazy. that's how important it is that you use good vocal hygiene, so to speak. And breathing is is that's how we do it. Most people that know nothing about singing can get enough breath pressure more than 10 times needed to sing. Wow. It's like, and I keep coming back to golf. It's not how hard you hit the ball. Mm -hmm. It's how you hit the ball. It's the swing, the smooth action. It's not how hard you hit it. It's the actual action that's smooth and um, controlled. Same thing with singing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with, with trumpet too. Like one of the things I was thinking about before this episode with breathing was like, I would hold in so much air when I was going high and like putting so much pressure. And it wasn't that I needed more pressure. It was that I needed to have like consistent natural fluid motion in there. But it was well, like, yeah, I think what they go a step farther with what you're saying, not to interrupt, but it, go for it. it instead of so much, it's you need less air for high pitches and that we assume that we need to really breathe in a lot. What we need is controlled, better control of our pressure. You need higher pressure and more, and that's what I call energy, depth, and space. You know, you need more space you know, with the uh, pressure so that the vibration, because they're much higher, you need a lot more air, pressure, but less air. Versus low notes, you need a lot of air because the vibration is much wider and, it, and your vocal folds are much looser and a lot of air flows through. And that's why we get that where you get to the end of a phrase, you don't need to breathe in as much as you need to blow out all the extra air that you were holding in to play or sing, which is very uncomfortable. So interesting that like the most important things are the things that nobody wants to focus on because they're like the technical, they're not fun. You know, nobody's like, oh, breathing. You know what I mean? But it's it really it makes such a difference. Well, that's you hit the nail on the head because that's the foremost thing that we talk about is educators and um, choir directors, all guilty of it. We skip over that and get right into learning the song and singing because that's fun. But I, some of my students get a little um, antsy with me because I we work on that every lesson, yeah. whether it's breathing or and and once they get over a certain point, they go, oh, this is really important. 
Yeah. And then they start realizing that, oh, I'm able to sing up. I have another, the one that was singing too high. He's actually, his range has improved because we spend more time on breathing and he knows how to support better. And we also got the range going lower because he has more capacity for air and, and soft control in the voice. And it's so important we skip over that. And that's the difference between the great singers and the so-so singers. I mean, they spent that time on, there are some people that naturally just sing, but if you really go and, and go back in their history you'll find somewhere they learned how to do this properly yeah well that happened with me too i mean you know i didn't want to use my head voice forever because i i thought it was weak (laughs) because i was like i want to be loud and belty i i no no but then once we started working on it and i was like oh wait no this is actually can be extremely powerful and you know i can do it i just wasn't breathing properly (laughs) like that's essentially what it was Yeah, and the easiest way to convince students to work on that head voice or the light voice up there is that Mm -hmm. it improves your belt voice or the heavy voice. And that's the... It's really hard to explain that. Mix, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's all about being well-rounded, right? The more well-rounded you are, the better you'll... It's like, yeah, you lift yourself up in one area, the other areas will lift up as well Mm -hmm. through the foundational work. And the easiest way that most people could relate to, because most people have probably taken piano at some time in their life, if if you had to pick one instrument, it's learning your chords and your scales and the technique things, you know, that that kind of stuff that you do over and over and over. Yeah. It's funny because I I think about this kind of structure and like foundations, like with with everything regarding education and like building a career or any of that kind of thing the visual that always comes to mind is this kind of bridge that that you're building and it's it's headed straight up pretty much like as you you get better like you you level up yourself but underneath that bridge there there are bricks that are built if you don't set that bottom layer and you skip some some of those bricks and you maybe patchwork over it eventually it's going to crumble and it makes the top levels where you're like, we can call those like the actual performance, that's going to start to suffer because of it. Yeah. And there's a very famous singer that learned that the hard way, Adele. She had a great voice and still does to a certain extent, but you can hear there was damage. But she was singing in a very cool sound, but it was a very tense and not supported well. And she got nodes and had surgery, worked on it, did really well with it, had some therapy, had vocal coaches work with it. And she went back to her old ways and, and she had, she was supposed to go back out on tour and couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember she had that. damaged her yeah. voice. Yeah. So it's, it's real world. And there's been dozens of rock singers that had the one pop hit or one rock hit that was, you know, top 10. They went on tour and they, they last, they didn't even make it through the tour. They blew their voice out. I'm sure. Because they didn't. Yeah. And that's why there's rock artists that actually fly in for each performance, their vocal coach. There's a guy in New York, mm-hmm. he flies all over the country. He just goes in and warms them up for performances that they're feeling like they need a little more help or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's important. I mean, you know, the thought of doing a concert and wanting to give your all to every single performance, I can totally understand that. But, you know, also knowing not to push yourself, you know, they're singing for what, three, four hours straight sometimes and talking and, you know, it's it's a lot. Well, I think everybody can benefit from that. We've, we've oh, yeah. all experienced some sort of damage to our voice going to the football game, baseball mm-hmm. game, and the next day you the can't talk. fatigue, yeah. Yeah, you, you just damage your voice. It repairs yeah. itself, but if you do that consistently, which I had a student do that, and she actually damaged her voice and she can't sing now. And That's it was so going sad. to basketball games. She just refused. I said, you got to stop doing this because she'd come into my lesson. Talking like this, and she could barely oh. talk. 
gosh. And it's interesting what I just did is the worst thing for your voice. Is whispering. Imitating? Oh. Is whispering. Yeah. Whispering, yeah. It's really hard on your voice. Like the forced whispering too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what I call stage whisper, yeah. I didn't know without that. Good, without good support, yeah. Because you're really not using your vibrating to put pressure on it. But ah. that's a whole nother story. But the, the basics of... We'll have a whole of, episode on whispering. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> How to properly whisper. Yeah. Well, we don't speak in that voice all the time for good reason. And yeah. and what we're doing right now, we're very relaxed. Breath pressure's fine for what we're doing, especially online, doing mm-hmm. things like this. You don't have to project. But when, as soon as you have to project, that's where all this has to happen, whether it's singing, yeah. speaking. I think talking on the phone is another one that's really big. Like talking because I've noticed I noticed when I was in New York and I would talk on the phone with mom, I would come home and sometimes would have like a sore throat. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize because, you know, New York is so loud. I didn't realize how loud I was, you know, projecting into my phone. Well, that and yeah. sometimes we're just lounging and we're sitting over and we're yeah. not breathing properly. Yeah, we're not supporting. And it's yeah. really a posture thing. And it's basically as simple as you sit up. And I always call it the shiny heart where you keep your chest up. You don't want to puff it out, but you keep it high. And then so that you have a straight back and it's almost like you're stretching out your body. And when you breathe in, it's in through your mouth. I could name all the places the air goes, but we won't go into that right now. (laughs) But um, it fills up the lungs. Think of it as heavy air going in and it's going to hit all the way to the bottom of your lungs and fill up from the bottom, just like you would do with a pitcher of water. And when you, your middle should expand. And I don't mean your belly so to speak, like the beer belly where it pouches out, but from your epigastrium area, which is between your belly button and your breastbone, your below your ribs. If you put your hand right there and if you breathe in nice and uh, through your mouth, you should feel that expand. And then your chest and your shoulders should remain almost absolutely still if you're doing it properly. Mm-hmm. And you can feel it if you put your hands around your ribs, just like, you know, just, uh, just under your ribs, just kind of hook them under there and now breathe in. Feel that all expands. Yeah. And it even expands in your back, but it should expand the most in the front. And to get that air in properly, it should be totally noiseless. And to do that, I've got a couple techniques that are real easy to do. You need to get your throat completely open so that it's like a hose. You know, when you take a hose and crimp it, you bend it and the water flow stops. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And when you're going, you're actually constricting your throat. You should be able to get that fully open. And you can get the sensation of that as a, like a pre-yawn. When you go to yawn with an open mouth, almost like you have a bubble in your mouth. But you don't want to go. But you, but <laughs> yeah. you don't want to go to a full yawn because yeah. that then it stretches. You know, that stretch feel. It's never go full yawn. yawn. Exactly. Yeah, never go full yawn. <laughs> and, and I'm going to do something right now that will kind of, it'll kind of freak you out because it'll immediately open your throat completely the way it needs to go. Pretend like you have a half a glass of water. Actually hold it in front of you. And this is an actual glass of water. You're not going to swallow, but you're going to do the action and just um, and you're going to bring it up to your lips and you're going to open your mouth and your throat will automatically open wide. So weird. so weird how that works. <laughs> what is this yeah. black magic? Yeah. yeah. And what, what it does is it, if you notice your back of your tongue went down and then you're actually your soft palate, which is behind the hard palate and the roof of your mouth, 
covers up the holes that goes into your nasal passages. That's called the velum. It actually covers up and it goes up and it gives us more space. What you've just done by doing that is the proper openness you want to have when you're singing. So when you take that glass of water and you have that open mouth, which is your resonator, it's fully open. You've got this, um, and so you can do what's called a catch breath very easy. You breathe it, you do that drink of water. Okay. And I can fill up my lungs all the way down to my toes. And you, and then, then the control comes in where you have to keep that expansion <laughs> as the air is going out. You don't want it to just go. <sighs> yeah. Just lose it like a deflated yeah. balloon. Yeah. And that's a whole nother process, which would rely. It's more helpful to have some visuals with that. But yeah. in essence, that's what we're doing. We need to open those airways going in as well as on the way out. And if you breathe in on the vowel that you're going to sing, no matter what word it is that you're going to start with, you'll notice that that'll help too. Let's say I. Take the mm-hmm. word I and just breathe in on that vowel. Do you I. feel that? Uh-huh. Yeah. And you don't even need to make that sound, but just have that your whole vocal mechanism from your throat all the way up through your mouth and that's set up for that shape or O. Feel that roundness that you have with O. Now, O is a little different, but the inside of your mouth is open, even though you have to purse your lips. So there's many techniques to get this happening. This We've actually worked backwards from the beginning of our, our talking here. <laughs> right. Yes, but that, that's what I start with is, you know, the vibrator, actuator, resonator, that kind of thing, into inhalation, exhalation with the onset, offset, all based on bringing the air in very fluidly. And it's like you're drinking water. Another way to do it is... That's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we could, we could go on yeah. this for hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have many, many, many different ways because I'm using imagery in that. And it not, and I from teaching, one thing I've learned, no one way works for everybody. So mm-hmm. I have yeah. to keep trying different things. So I, it, it's that's why I study so much because there's so many different ways to think about this or how you can do it. You know, the, the yawn breath is what I use with my students once they get that drinking thing. I'll just say we want a yawn breath where it's just before you get a full yawn. That's that full openness. And it's like you have a bubble in your mouth to make sure everything's expanded because when you have that openness in there, the inside of your mouth is very fleshy. And mm-hmm. if you can get that a little bit tighter in there, it becomes more resonant because it's more bouncy. It's less like carpet, more like a hardwood floor, which is, mm-hmm. you know, if you walk into a room with carpet, it's always deader sounding than if you walk in a room with hardwood. True. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that you need to have like real rigid feel, but right. that's the concept. <laughs> and, there, you know, you could spend, you know, an hour just on resonance or no. just on the vibration or, or the breathing is really a big one. I spend the first two or three lessons. That's all we work on with new singers or even singers that have been doing it a while. And they're like, wow, nobody ever showed me this. And I yeah. said, yeah, they skip over that and just teach a repertoire. Yeah. You hit that right. Like I, I was actually going to ask like how long you spend on that. I mean, obviously you keep on retouching it as, as you continue on with lessons, but it sounds like you spend a decent amount of time just focusing on that when starting the foundations for people. Yeah. And actually, when I have new students that come up, when I, I I never charge for the first lesson when somebody's interested in coming to study privately with me, that is. And and I'll spend a good part of that with breathing. And at first, they're a little bit like, whoa. And then I get them to do some things that they've never been able to do range wise or whatever. And they're like, oh, whoa, yeah. that's what's all this. Because I very rarely have I found a student that uh, very that knew much about breathing at all. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's not that they haven't been with good teachers. It could be that they haven't really worked with it or, or found the right thing that works for them. Hey, Mitch here with a quick intermission before we reach the final questions with our dad. Wanted to say a quick thank you to Steve the Dad Hollis for giving us a 
masterclass, I'd say, of, of breathing. Uh, there's so much more that we could go through. Let us know, actually, if you want to hear more from our dad on breathing. But uh, until then, if you want to uh, check out what our dad is up to, he has a website, actually, Steve Hollis Music dot com uh can see his accolades what he teaches and his private lessons and all that kind of stuff um and yeah uh let's let's go ahead and get back into the show and and finish up with our final questions with dad uh so dad what do you think the hardest thing about pursuing the arts is oh my gosh yeah the kind of weighing the um what you love to do and what's practical (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I think the hardest thing is making the choice that you look at how am I going to make a living and then you start doing things that may not be your forte and I can speak to that because I I thought I wanted to be a conductor and I wanted to be in the pit and go to New York and be in the pit and I had the opportunity that I actually got into a very nice theater which you performed at Mitch and and I was a conductor and it just was not for me at all and it was the best paying job I ever had up to that point. And it was where I found that my teaching experience was really helpful because you're as a conductor, you're helping all the other instrumentals, but it just didn't fit my my skill set or anything. And I really thought that's where I needed to be. And I quickly found out that that was not. So I had to take a step back. And that's when I found that I need to go into education full time because I performed, you know, what, 15 years, 20 years before I started teaching full time. So that's, I think that's the hardest thing is finding what really works for you and not what you think people want, but what you truly want. And I, I hate to use the word find your passion because we all have passions for things, but we need to find what, what skill set we have that, that'll, that'll create that passion. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Our next question is what is your favorite piece of art right now? My favorite piece of art. Well, I'd have to say um, what has been lately a when when I say a piece of art that that could apply to anything. Um, mm-hmm. Mozart sonatas right now, which I've been playing through quite frequently in the past few months. Even Kulau and a few other um, pianists from classical period, a couple hundred years old, but I find them fascinating. What their the thought process and and the construction because when you play just one of them, you get a, a feel for it. But when you play like he wrote many many of these. And I'll, I'll play through as many as 15, 20 of these. And you start seeing progression of his art and, and how that all fits together. And then you hear things, you're going, oh, that's where that guy got that idea. Mm-hmm. Beethoven, who came later and, and, and on through. And I was, I kind of put him off, you know, now that we have time for this past year, I, I and I was sight reading him for the most part. I would just kind of read straight through him. I didn't really practice on him. And then I'd go back through and then I'd practice little spots and pieces. But I wanted the continuity of it to just get the feel of these from one to the other, just to see what was the threads that ran through these pieces. So I'd have to say the Mozart sonatas right now. Nice. I'm enjoying listening to them as well. <laughs> That's right. You get to hear them all the time. I do. It's great. <laughs> I, I also think it's kind of funny that it's that's so different from how a lot of other people are going to like if they had that same response, they wouldn't be able to be playing that necessarily and like really appreciating it from that perspective. They'd be listening to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 It's a different it's a different it's appreciation a different... for sure. Based on yeah. just listening to it versus playing it. Yeah. Well, I think that you have, that's my personality. I'm a doer. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. Because I'm always doing stuff. It's true. And I, I like to play and it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. That's a, a 
passion that, that yes. you've made very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so third question, what keeps you up at night? Nothing. What keeps me up at night? Yeah. <laughs> Dad, Dad sleeps like a baby. He does. And could yeah. do so on a hardwood floor. Yes. I can sleep anywhere. It's true. Yes. And I'm okay. The power nap is my... <laughs> the power nap is Dad's is. bitch. Yeah. That's it's true. So, well, if you, um, yeah, you could equate that to what, you know, things that I'm afraid of or whatever. Yeah. 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 Not being prepared. Mm -hmm. I foremost I I, you guys have been around me where I don't think I'm prepared I because I'm overly prepared every time I go in I get there and people are like Mm -hmm. whoa you got way too much stuff here we're gonna have to thin out what you're doing like this podcast (laughs) (laughs) but that's good though you give options you know you're prepared for anything yeah um my that's why when we lived in Chicago for a long period of time, I was playing all over the city. That was the number one thing that got me work was this guy always came prepared. And I would, and I was always in fear that I didn't know that one song or I wouldn't have everything with me. And I would, you know, it was the Boy Scout thing, always be prepared. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's my, keep me up at night. Am I prepared enough? Or, yeah. You know, I'm going to be in front of a room of uh, 30 fifth graders. You better be prepared because yeah. they smell fear. Yes, they do. Yes, they will. So, yeah, and, and, you know, I have vocalists that are coming in to work with me for an audition that's super important, and I need to be prepared for them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, it goes through everything. Yeah. I love that. I've picked up that anxiety as well. That, yes, that so will, have I. Yeah, I think that's easily passed on to the rest of us. I'm like, oh gosh, am I prepared? You're not prepared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes but you that's, for it, but yeah. That, that's what luck. That's what luck is, though. Is being prepared when the opportunity shows up, and people call that luck. Yep, it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very true. All right, our last question. What? Oh, one there's another of, one. There's one more. Yeah, yeah. one more. Yeah. <laughs> what one piece of advice would you give someone who wants to pursue the arts? Wow. I know it's uh, loaded. Yeah. Only <laughs> yeah. one. Only one. Uh, that wants to pursue it. Are they already in it or are they just from the very Either beginning? or. You could pick yeah. you can pick either someone who's in it now or someone who is wanting to pursue it. Well, if we want to be specific of the performing arts, what we just talked about being prepared because I've uh, worked with people that have showed up to work with me on jobs that were not prepared and or even to do community theater that's non-paying or whatever to come with the assumption that you just show up and miraculously everything's going to be there for you to do. You have to bring something to that party, so to speak, being prepared. And even back to the breathing thing we talked about, make sure you've learned the basics so that when you're in that performing situation. It's like going into an audition, only knowing one song to sing. They may go, well, can you do another one? Or can you do a different style? It's like only knowing one monologue. Or, oh, do you have your Shakespeare <laughs> monologue? <laughs> no, so but it's I being prepared. bag one again. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was just nodding along. I didn't even realize it was a dig at me. That's so no. sad. No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. No, I... I totally admit it. That that was the sign to me where I was like, okay, pursuing the arts is not yeah. going to be my thing. And okay. if you're at an age where you're pursuing the arts and going to, you know, trying to pick a school or whatever, don't be blindsided by the top 10 schools or the whatever. Find a school, you know, do, you know, kind of look at all different options. And a lot of times the right place will find you if you put it out there. Hey, thanks for listening. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, www.artisticpodcast.com. 
If you liked the episode, do us a favor and share it with a friend. It's the best way to help people find our podcast and will help support the show. For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya. Which one of us is better at breathing? Uh, <laughs> actually you're both very good at it dad's the pacifist answer and in fairness I think dad's here, worked with me more though i've worked with melody yeah. <laughs> obviously a lot more because of the, the career because that's choice. my career yeah yeah and um and, you and i'm also, just a natural <laughs> yes well you also were in band and you worked with choir and that so you had other um, outlets for your singing and yeah. performance. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Melody. No, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, we've, we've done the hard hitting questions. Let's, let's get down to brass tacks with our, our classic ones. Dad, you should recognize these because you definitely listen to our podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, unfortunately I forgot about these and I didn't prepare. So 